Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The NFC West, the focus for us here today on the Prospects and Props podcast as we close out the first week of our 2023 NFL Draft Class Recaps. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner here with you. We did the AFC West yesterday, so we'll close the chapter on the West this week with the NFC West. Jamie, we'll jump right into it because we've got a lot of teams that had a lot of picks, and there's a lot of discussion because there were a lot of picks in this division. Yeah. There's a quantity uh, here, or maybe over some quality for some of these teams we We'll start with the team that went 13-4 and four and won this division first in the NFC West, that being the San Francisco 49ers, and they are a team that didn't start picking until round three, but they still had a lot of picks. Jair Brown, safety out of Penn State in the third. Jake Moody, kicker out of Michigan in the third. Cameron Latu, tight end out of Alabama in the third. Darrell Luter Jr., from South Alabama corner in the fifth. Robert Beal Jr., defensive end from Georgia in the fifth. D. Winters, linebacker from TCU in the sixth. Brayden Willis, tight end from Oklahoma in the seventh. Ronnie Bell, wide receiver from Michigan in the seventh. And they close it out. Jalen Graham out of Purdue with a seventh round selection. Jamie, I just read to you all of the picks that they made. We went through one by one. Yeah, that's how that your face is exactly how I feel about this draft class. <laughs> Yeah, I don't love it. And, and look, I know they were playing from behind a little bit because of the Trey Lance deals, Christian McCaffrey deals, et cetera, in the past. So they didn't pick until late in the third round. But I don't really love what they did here. Um, I think Jair Brown, I, I guess he's going to be their Jimmy Ward replacement. But I, I'm not a personal fan of his game relative to where they picked him. I thought Jake Moody was the best kicker in the class, but I'm not third sure round I for a kicker. Taking him there, uh, I thought Cameron Latu was a bit of a reach. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't love a lot of it. Um, you know, Braden Willis in the seventh could be interesting as that fullback, tight end hybrid. Ronnie Bell seems like a value in the seventh, but I like the D Winters really pick. I like the D Winters. Yeah, pick. it's fine. It's fine. I just I, I'm I'm completely unenthused by this class. I think this this. The spoiler, uh, I have not looked at the next, I haven't looked at the Rams or whatever yet, but I, I think this is going to be the worst class in the division. So I'll uh, tell you. I, I am unhappy with it. I did a thing. I ranked them before we started having a conversation. <sighs> I put oh, them in no. order before we even pushed record on the show today, and I want to see if it matches. So far, I feel pretty good about what I did here because I do not think I'm going to change my mind uh, in any regard. Uh, so, Chris, hold on for one second here, because I know you, you did a bit. And by the way, for those that haven't listened, please go listen to the latest TDN Daily podcast. Um, I always listen to the latest one, but I believe it is your Thursday edition uh, where you, you name off your favorite pick from each team. Yep. Uh, I'm sorry you had to pick a favorite from this one. I'm assuming you picked D. Winters, but I mean, this is really it's damning with faint praise, right? D. Winters was the selection. I did add uh, to the conversation that if I needed to pick, if I needed to power rank these one through 32 in terms of most favorite to least favorite, D. Winters would be probably 32 <laughs> uh, and towards the bottom of the list. Yeah, I, I like the pick just because we know how they like to utilize linebackers. D. Will, uh, D. Winters a very um, physical player, right, at the position, yeah. and, and I kind of like a lot of that. And again, it's a sixth-round pick. It's a flyer. Um, that's the one that I would pick. But, yeah, didn't wasn't really in love with uh, a lot of this class. 
Uh, the Seattle Seahawks next up for us here. Nine and eight second in the division. And I think this is going to be a tale of two halves when it comes to this team's draft class. It's Devin Witherspoon with the fifth overall pick. Uh, corner at Illinois. It's Jackson Smith and Jigba, wide receiver at Ohio State with the 20th pick. Two first rounders for them. Derek Hall out of Auburn with their first of two second round picks. This is where things get a little bit off the rails here. Zach Charbonnet, running back out of UCLA, with their second second-round pick. Anthony Bradford, guard from LSU in the fourth. Cameron Young, D-tackle from Mississippi State in the fourth. Mike Morris, defensive end from Michigan in the fifth. Olu Owatami, center from Michigan in the fifth. Jarek Reed, safety from New Mexico in the sixth. And just when there wasn't enough running backs, Seattle says, here's another one, Kenny McIntosh, running back from Georgia in the seventh. And, Jamie, I think the easiest place for us to start this conversation is I like what they did with their first three picks. We have a rookie of the year candidate last year and one of the better young running backs in the league in Kenneth Walker. And we go out and we take Zach Charbonnet. I like Zach. I like the player. He's one of the best, probably RB3 in this class. What are we doing? Like, what are we doing here? I'm gonna. I'm. This might be unpopular. I don't hate it as much as oh everybody else. Oh my goodness! Does. No, this is terrible. It's not like they're not gonna give Kenneth Walker the ball. I mean, watch what the Seahawks did these last couple of years. They're always rotating in multiple backs. Again, I wouldn't have taken them in this spot, but overall, I thought this is a really, really strong class, and I'm not gonna knock them for taking Charbonnet. Let's let's start here. Devin Witherspoon. Uh, I love, I think he, Tariq Woolen, Kobe Bryant, slash Julian Love, uh, depending on where you want to put Love, uh, is a really, really exciting cornerback group for you, one through three. Uh, JSN was my wide receiver one, and I think he provides that that third element. Like, it, it used to be a running joke on our show, Chris, if you remember the old TDN Fantasy podcast about who the third wide receiver on Seattle was. Yeah. Uh, I believe I just screamed Freddie Swain's name a lot during, uh, during an off-season yep. podcast, but... This is now another elite option out of the slot for them. It gives them a different element going forward. Derek Hall's a really solid pick as a potential starter on that line right away. Uh, Charbonnet's going to be able to work himself in as, as a quality backup option is to be that more Rashad Penny-type role that they lost when he went off to Philadelphia. Bradford, again, depth signing, but I think it's somebody that could work himself into a starting guard role in the next couple years. Love the flyers you took uh, on day three. Cameron Young on the D-tackle spot. Mike Morris is a defensive end. Uh, Alusa Gunola with Timmy, uh, I think, could, again, emerge as a potential starting center for them in years two or three right now. And, and I would actually not be surprised if maybe he gets some starts here in year one. Kenny McIntosh, at that point, is just great value. To get him in the seventh round, this was a guy we were talking about in the second and third round throughout the process. To get him... Um, primarily as like more of a pass catching type back in the seventh round as a depth piece uh, is absolutely worth a flyer. I, I know everyone is as pillaged them for the Charbonnet pick, but I really like this class as a whole. Yeah, I think they did okay here, right? I'm not going to complain. Those first two picks in the first round, I think are great, both value and great additions to their team. And they're trying to keep pace. They're building around Geno Smith here for the short term. And I think they added in places that can certainly help them want to get better defensively, shut down other teams in that division. Also, Tyler Lockett getting a little bit older. DK Metcalf adding another wide receiver. Certainly great value. So, again, I like that. We got we got Derek Hall to help with the pass rush. Listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Like, There's a lot of this I like. I think when we take Kenny McIntosh in the seventh, I can look back at taking Zach Charbonnet in the second and go, 
did we really need to do this? Did we really need to go down this path? And sure. I think that's where it becomes a little bit of a challenge for me. Uh, I'm not going to criticize them too harshly for it. Again, they're one of my favorite draft classes for what they did with their first couple of picks. I'm just a little perplexed by the idea of taking two running backs in a draft class after you just took a guy a year ago who is easily one of your better offensive players. So that part of it's a little surprising to me. But again, overall, I thought they got some good depth, um, some great value on day three. And again, those first two picks are going to carry a lot of the weight for them in that regard i'm just looking now okay looking ahead how many picks did the rams make uh, yeah, one we're two gonna, three we're gonna be here for a while four five That's, six the pause, seven, eight, nine, the pause you heard 10, was 11, jamie 12, changing the tab 13, and me 14 and me so what i have is i have a screen and i'm rotating through the espn draft class to see the classes the pause was i was done talking and i was going to get ready for the rams jamie was doing the same thing i was doing just taking in the sheer volume of players that we're just about to talk about here on this show 14 players they took and it's really it's i mean i i know i'm moving on here but it's a real mixed bag like there are some pieces here i some values here i really like and some just absolute head scratchers. Can I can uh, I do, can I do the thing? Uh, yeah. In the second round, Steve Avila, offensive guard from TCU. Byron Young from Tennessee in round three. Colby Turner, D-tackle from Wake Forest in round three. Stenson Bennett, quarterback from Georgia in round four. Uh, four fifth-round picks. Nick Hampton, linebacker from App State. Warren McClendon, tackle from Georgia. Davis Allen, Clemson tight end. And Puka Nakua, wide receiver from BYU. It's three sixth-round picks. Travius Hodges-Tomlinson, corner from TCU. O'Shawn Mathis, defensive end from Nebraska. And Zach Evans, running back from Old Miss. And then three seven round picks punter ethan evans from wingate jason taylor the second two punter oklahoma state safety and deshaun johnson defensive end from toledo i'll tell you jamie there's some of this i really really like i like what they were able to do not you know they didn't have a first round pick they didn't start picking until you know the second round i like some of what they did here there's other parts of this like stenson bennett in the fourth round that's that make me want to bash my head against a wall it's 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 perplexing because there's there's a lot of good here. Like I love what they did in the fifth and sixth round, pretty much unanimously. Puka Naku is a great pick. Picks. Zach Evans in round six is fantastic. Travius Hodges, Tomlinson, I think is good value. O'Shawn Mathis is good value. Nick Hampton's good value. I mean, there's some good value here on day three. Yeah, and Colby Turner like, and Stenson Bennett. Yeah, I'm out. Uh, I thought Kobe Turner would be a worthwhile day three flyer, uh, not a not a third round flyer. Stetson Bennett, uh, you're just not going to convince me that there's anything special about Stetson Bennett, particularly to take him in the fourth round. I also but think I like they got they two started. starters. I think they got two starters in Steve Avila and Byron Young with their first two picks. And that's the thing. I think Byron Young is supremely underrated. Agreed. Uh, and I would not be surprised if we look back and go, man, how'd that guy get out of the top 50 uh, when we look back on this in a couple of years? Steve Avila is, was one of the better guard prospects in this draft. I think is a plug-and-play year one guy. Uh, I really, Again, I really like both those picks, followed by head scratchers for me and Turner and Bedit, followed by supremely good value. I think Nick Hampton could find himself in a significant role uh, within a couple of years, Warren McClendon is absolutely a worthy potential multi-position offensive line backup. Uh, Davis Allen uh, as a great fit for Sean McVay's offense uh, as a guy that can do a little bit of everything at tight end. Not going to be your starter, but as a guy that can be a depth piece for you. Puka Nakua, Travis Hodges, Tomlinson's a guy that I think both guys are a little bit undervalued relative to what their talent level could be. Like the Zach Evans pick, and even in round seven, Jason Taylor the second was a solid selection late. Uh, Deswan Johnson as Mr. Irrelevant is somebody that I think could make the roster, but uh, 
it's it's weird because I you, you know every time you want to say they had a great draft, they remind you about some of these other picks like you know Turner and Bennett and and Ethan Evans, and you just go like, again, I'm not gonna knock them for in the seventh round, but uh, it, it it was a good draft. But it could have been a great draft, which would have been surprising considering they didn't have a, t- a first round pick. But I-, I thought that just again, if it wasn't for those head scratchers, you know, in the, in the middle of in late day two, early day three, I think this would have actually challenged the Seahawks for the best draft in the division. I have a hot take. Okay. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. In the fifth round of the 2023 NFL draft, I think the Los Angeles Rams drafted their wide receiver too. Why do you hate Van Jefferson? I, because I, I'm just not in on the Van Jefferson train. I think Puka Nakua could end up being the, the second wide receiver option for this Why team. do you hate Ben Skoranek? I, I think you know why I hate Ben Skoranek. Why do you hate Lance McCutcheon? Okay, I, I, I think you're making the point for me of why I think Puka Nakua can be the wide receiver too for this Los Angeles Rams team. I think they, they got... Because you can't block, he can get on the field. I think he could be wide receiver too for this team. Truly. And I think that says more about the wide receiver room for the Los Angeles Rams than it does about Puka Nakua, but I, I think yeah, the point yeah. still stands. But yeah, this is a draft that, that's got some question marks, but also enough where you could kind of look at it and say, okay, this is this is not a bad job. This is this is okay. Uh, okay, we go to the last team here, and then we can discuss anything further. The Arizona Cardinals maneuvered all around the board, decided that they just wanted to maneuver around the first round, trade back, then trade back up, then just kind of move around a bunch. Monty Alcifort making deals all over the place in his first year as the GM. His first draft as the GM of the Cardinals. With the sixth overall pick, it's Paris Johnson Jr., offensive tackle out of Ohio State. With the second round pick, it's pass rusher B.J. Ojolari out of LSU. In the third, it's a pair of players, Garrett Williams, corner from Syracuse, and Michael Wilson, wide receiver from Stanford. In the fourth, it's John Gaines II from UCLA, the guard. In the fifth, it's Clayton Toon, Owen Popo, linebacker from Auburn, Keetrell Clark in the sixth, corner from Louisville, and Dante Stills, D-tackle from West Virginia in the sixth. Jamie, I love... What Monty Austin Fort and company were able to do in their first draft in charge. I love this draft class. I maybe the, I don't know if I use the word love. I a, very much like this draft class. If I get to include the compensation that they picked up for next year, then I'm in love with this draft. I class. think you're so allowed to include it. The, so if we include the total picture, I love what they did here because they got the guy they wanted anyway in Paris Johnson. Uh, I think BJ Ojolari. I mean, look, I see potentially. I mean, they could have as many as five starters. They have right away. From this in class. my opinion, they have at least three right away. Paris Johnson Jr., B.J. Ojolari, and Garrett Williams are instant starters for them. Yeah. John Gaines could compete for one of the interior guard spots, and Michael Wilson could be in contention to be their third wide receiver option. He could, and I also wouldn't rule out Keetra Clark potentially getting significant snaps this, before the end of the season. This also doesn't count. Clayton Toon might be their Week One starter. Well, yeah, but that. Uh, I think something still has to happen to Colt McCoy for him not to get the job right away. But I like that Clayton too. But like I like all these picks. I think Paris Johnson is your long-term left tackle. Now hold on. Other. Can I can I jump in? Sure. If we play Paris Johnson Jr. at left guard, I don't love this draft class anymore. I'm out. You can play him for one year. I will give you the one year because I was going to be okay with the Eagles doing the same thing. I was going to be okay when we did my my. That's fair. Uh, predictive we, we, we did talk of, about this. Of Paris Johnson playing a year at guard to then immediately move to tackle. If it is one year at guard with the long-term plan being a tackle, we'll allow it. I, I'm okay with it. Right. But that's it. If, you, I, if, if, it's any, 
If you drafted him sixth overall to be your long-term answer at left guard, I'm out on this. I can't love this draft Correct. class anymore. But if you drafted him, get us out of, of this for one year, and then you... But see, the problem for me, Jamie, is right now he's better than Kelvin Beecham on the right side. And so to me, yes. he has to... You drafted John Gaines in round four if you want a guard on the interior. So uh, to me, Paris Johnson has to be playing at the, the right tackle spot week one, in my opinion. He, he, here's my thought. And again, nobody they're not calling me to ask me my opinion. You draft the guy sixth overall, he should be playing the position you see him playing long-term. And if that's left tackle, then you play him day one at left tackle and you figure it out. Whether that's moving Tumfries, whether it's trading him, whatever it is. If you think it's long-term at right tackle, then you play him at right tackle. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, I think he is the piece that he is your young piece, a part of your rebuild. He needs to be playing where you see him long-term. That's what I would do. Is it what I think they're going to do? I have no idea. When we talk, oh, that's about, what I would do. When we talk about life cycles and building and building blocks of of teams, we talk about getting your two pillars a tackle. They've got DJ yep. Humphreys. We think they got their other pillar in Paris Johnson Jr. to be right. We talk about pass rushers. They went out and got one of those guys in BJ Ojolari. We talk about now in this league with it being a passing league, you need a corner. Well, I think Garrett Williams would have been a first round talent if not for the injury. I their, agree, hundred percent. Their first three picks addressed major pillars for a team. And oh, by the way, they've got two first-round picks next year, both of which could be inside the top eight. So again, I, I love this. I want to love it. I'm so concerned because I've been through this with the Arizona Cardinals, and I know it's a new regime, and so I should give them the benefit of the doubt. But if they play Paris Johnson inside, it is going to, to remove a lot of the goodwill I want to give them with how good this draft class was. Yeah, and and that that's the ultimate question. But you know, you look at look at Michael Wilson, who is going to transition to more of a, of a tight end role, and we'll see how fast he can he can get into that spot behind Trey McBride. You know, John Gaines is a good value. I would not be shocked if he starts some games this year. Clayton Toon, you've already mentioned. Owen Popo is as a, a depth inside linebacker option. Keetrell Clark, who I felt like was a way better talent than a six rounder, and I would not be surprised if he is playing. Uh, significant snaps toward the end of the season. Dante Stills, depth guy on the defensive line. Like, I really like what they did here, and I mostly like what you said. You pick up a lot of capital for next year, including Houston's first-round pick, and you're literally in a spot where, I mean, right now, if you went by Super Bowl odds, you're the first two picks of the draft. But those are legitimately two top five picks and at worst two top ten picks. And I think when you have that kind of capital, whether they're in the QB market next year or not, and I will not walk down this road because we're going to have plenty of time for us to discuss this. If whether they're in that market or not, it is in throw something they could out do the window so if things. they're in the QB market next offseason. I'm going to throw something out. That's not out the, the point. That's not the point right now. The point right now is they're in position to do a lot of good. Yeah. Again, I, I think a lot is, should be said about their first five selections all being players that could immediately contribute to their team in 2023 and be long-term answers at position. Because to me, I mean, you, right now the R Lads depth chart has Paris Johnson Jr. as the starting left guard and Will Anderson, uh, Will Hernandez as the starting right guard. I think we could very easily slot John Gaines into that spot, move Paris Johnson to right tackle, have Kelvin Beachum be your swing tackle, your emergency guy, and to me that is a much better offensive line than what we could potentially going into uh, go, go into 2023 with. Again, they've got a starting uh, pass rusher. I think at BJ Ojolari, Garrett Williams. I think will will supplant either Antonio Hamilton or Marco Wilson to be the CB1 in that group. I mean, these are the guys that the Cardinals currently have under their roster. And so to me, I think they got a lot better here uh, in, in a lot of ways. All right, Jamie, let's rank these. Okay. Um, I ranked them before the show started. So I have Seahawks, Cardinals, Rams, Gap, 49ers. We disagree. 
We okay, so you have the Cardinals at top. I do. I have the Cardinals number one. I have Seattle. Let me two. guess who's your number two. I have Seattle. Seattle's two. two. I have Seattle okay. two. Yeah. Yeah. Seattle and then the Rams and then the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, I, I think take out take out the fact that the Cardinals got an additional first round pick. And well, that's I, what I'm doing for the rankings portion. Like I'm I'm trying not right. to include their extra they, stuff. They got five starters to me. Yeah, but they also suck. Right. So like but, but Seattle didn't have five starters up for grabs. I know, but I they got five starters. I can't. I. I. I I'm gonna. I'm gonna give them credit for going out and getting five starters. They could have taken a kicker in the third round if they wanted to. We would have. I would have graded them harshly for that. They didn't. They addressed they areas of need. So I think they're the, they're the number one class for me. Um, I would. I, they're one of the best classes I think uh, in the 2023 NFL draft for what they were able to. Yeah, do. And, and and I know we disagree with our colleagues on this who I believe gave the the Cardinals a, a meh grade. C plus um, is, I, what, is what they were yeah. given. And I will I, yeah. B, B plus at worst is what I will give this draft class. Yeah, I would I, yeah, if I had to, if I had to give a letter grade, they'd get a B plus. And, and it, if I have to include capital for next year, it's an A. It, B plus. Sorry, getting a top five pick in next year's class is not nothing. And and, and it's only a B plus because I'm worried that they might move Parrish Johnson to left guard. Right? That's yes. that's where I'm grading on a curve. If you just say Parrish well, Johnson's a starting yeah. right tackle, I think an A minus A plus. You can, yep. you can convince me of anything in the A range. So, uh, yeah, I have Arizona, Seattle, L.A., um, and San Francisco. So, okay, we will close with this. The San Francisco 49ers, 13-4, and four, the winners of this division. Did anybody close that gap with what they were able to do in this draft? I think Seattle closed the gap a little bit. And I think this was, one, I always thought the Seahawks were underrated by the books. And we talked about this a little bit during the NFC West win total show. But I really like what they did. Because you want to talk about a team that added some starters. That's a, play, a playoff team that was able to add starters. You add somebody that's going to play for you right away in Devin Witherspoon. You add somebody that's going to get significant snaps for you right away in Jackson Smith and Jigba. I would not be surprised if Derek Hall is a starter for you. So you have a you, now you were armed with good cap, draft capital. Thank you, Seattle. Or excuse me, thank you, uh, Denver, for the the trade with Seattle for Russell Wilson. But uh, you got a stud at corner. You got a stud. At inside wide receiver, you got a stud uh, off the edge in Derek Hall. You've got some insurance just in case Kenneth Walker gets banged up in, in, in Zach Charbonnet. I really like what they did in this draft. And again, they have some other pieces here that might work themselves in the next couple of years. But I think the Seahawks got significantly better right away with some of the young guys in this class. I'm not going to pick them to win the division, but I do think it's going to be a lot closer than people are giving credit for. Because I believe there's like a, a four-win difference or a three-and-a-half-win difference or something in the sports books. And, I, and I'm not sure there's going to be more than a game or two difference between these two teams when it's all said and done in the regular season. I think we look at it from the perspective of this team won 13 games a year ago in San Francisco, and it was kind of a little smoke and mirrors with the way Brock Purdy played and what they were able to do. Um, and again, so I don't know if they're going to be able to completely repeat that. They didn't lose a regular season game when Brock Purdy was in there. I don't expect that to be the case. And then you add to the fact that Seattle got better in some key areas at corner and wide receiver. They added some good depth to their running back room, and that's their identity. That's the way that they want to play. Um, and they won nine games a year ago, and they're going to be bringing back a lot of the players last year that helped them be successful, including Geno Smith. So again, if we can, if they can get first half Geno, not second half Geno, then I, I would well, agree with you, Jamie, that they did close the gap. I would worry about what we saw in the second half from Geno Smith. And, and that's the thing I think is worth bringing up because if we're, we're, we're going to go, oh, maybe Purdy can't like, we need to see if Geno Smith can do it again. Correct. Geno Smith did not have question. a good second half. The, the passing numbers in the second half for the, the Seattle team were not very good. Which, by the way, has been a theme. I um, mean, that was that was a theme with Russell Wilson. Seattle second half well. passing offenses uh, tend to yeah. go down. You think you, you would reason. think they were coached by Cliff Kingsbury the way that they 
play in the second half. Well, we're going to end with another NFC West joke there to close us out, and that's how we will close out this show here. Uh, a, a complete chapter of the uh, 2023 NFL draft classes. You think, uh, Chris, you think they'll call Cliff Kingsbury to ask his scouting reporter Caleb Williams when they're picking number one? Or how do you think that's going to work? I out? don't think I don't think Cliff will pick up the phone. Would be my guess. My guess is Cliff will let that one go to voicemail. Still technically on the payroll. Is that how that works, though? I mean, he's yeah, because he he's he's it's offset. So whatever they no, take, no, no. whatever he's making from USC, right? But he's on the payroll. But like he's not an employee, so he doesn't have to answer the phone. No, he doesn't have to. He I can send it to voicemail. Table. He can send it to it's like the Bobby Bonilla. I don't know if they. I don't know if he talks to the Mets at all. Right. I don't think they can. Cons- I don't think they consult Bobby Bonilla on any roster decisions, even though he's a he's a member of the twenty five. Or he's well, maybe the Wilpon should have. Steve Cohen doesn't have to, but maybe the Wilpon should have. It maybe. couldn't have been any worse. Maybe. Uh, okay. So we have the North Division starting next week. So on Monday show, the AFC North is what we have, uh, and then we have the NFC North, and then we close out with the Steelers. Great draft. Okay, don't Done. don't do the show ahead of the show. We have a full show to do on on Monday, and I think there's going to be a surprise because I think those teams did pretty well there in the AFC North. Yeah, they they actually they they did. I I we'll get to the show, but uh, I thought Cleveland had a sneaky good draft. Yes. Cincinnati's got some value picks. Pittsburgh killed it. Uh, I mean, I'm Baltimore got arguably the best receiver in the class, depending on how. Like, we have some fun classes coming up there in the AFC North to talk about. Them yeah, right I think I think there's going to be more fun to be had next week with some of these draft classes and some of these teams that have done pretty well. So that's what you can look forward to on Monday. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Schubert underscore. You can follow Jamie on Twitter at Jamie Eisner. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. We greatly do appreciate it here. Hope everybody has a great rest of their weekend. We'll talk to everybody on Monday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.